One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. beautiful time of worship and an awesome declaration for the moment that we are in, that we will build our lives on the rock of Jesus Christ, that He's a firm foundation. And uh, if there's anything that we need in this moment we find ourselves in, we need uh, a place of strength, a place of security and stability. And that's who Jesus is. And I'm so glad that Uh, Even though we're separated physically, that we can come together, join together in worship and uh, worship, as Jesus says, in the spirit. And uh, I love that place in the book of John where uh, the woman at the well begins to talk to Jesus about the uh, different ideas on how worship should happen. And he says, you know, true worship is those who worship in spirit and in truth. And so wherever you're at today, I'm so glad that we can join together in the Spirit and that we can do that today. And uh, once again, I want to welcome all of you uh, who are joining us, those who are a part of our One Church family, uh, those of you who are joining us from across the Orlando area or beyond. And uh, that's one of the benefits of this season of Church Online uh, is that we can connect with people outside of our immediate area. And so we're so glad that you're with us uh, today. And uh, in just a moment, we're going to come around the Scripture. So if you have a Bible, you can grab that with us and uh, turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, while you're turning there, I'll just mention a couple of things pertaining to this season that we're in. And uh, of course, we are continuing in this unique season, connecting online. And um, in order to do that and kind of better facilitate the season that we're in, we've actually created a new website. Some of you may be on that right now, uh, but a website that we will be streaming in addition to streaming on Facebook and on YouTube. Every Sunday we'll be streaming on our website. And so you can go to OC, that's short for One Church, ocparkdistrict.com. And uh, just click on Church Online there. If you're joining us uh, for the first time, take a moment, fill out the connection card there. Let us know that you're uh, tuning in with us today. We'd love to keep you posted on everything that's happening. And also, uh, as we look to the weeks ahead and uh, kind of the progressive reopening of uh, business and of um, you know things in our community, uh, we as a church are continuing to look at Uh, the plan for reopening. And uh, we know that it will probably be some time before we'll be able to regather in the way that we are used to. But in the weeks ahead, uh, we are going to be sharing with you some more plans on opportunities for us to kind of gather as the restrictions lift, not at this point, but as the restrictions lift to allow us to gather in small groups and homes. Uh, We're planning to gather for what we're just going to call house church. And uh, that'll just be an environment of maybe two to three families that we can gather with in home, uh, tune in for church online, have a meal together. And of course, we will keep you posted. That's not at this point, but that'll happen uh, in the weeks ahead. And we'll share more information with you about it. But if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians uh, chapter 5. And uh, we're going to look at the scripture today as we continue our home life series. And if you're joining us for the first time, we're in a series that we're calling Home Life. And we're just talking about uh, marriage, family, communication, relationship, all things home. And I know during this season, we're all uh, 
at home have probably been spending more time than we're used to at home. Maybe you've had some challenges uh, at home as well as I think we all have. Uh, to be honest, Jen and I, uh, kind of the, the uh, inspiration for this series was just out of uh, some moments that we were navigating, just some challenges that we were having ourselves. And I, I just went, you know what, if we're having this, I know everybody else is having this too. So we want to just go back to the Word of God and uh, look at what the Scripture says. So today I want to talk to you um, and speak to you a message that I'm calling Harmony in the Home. Harmony in the Home. And uh, we're going to talk about marriage today. And I know that doesn't maybe relate at this point to every one of you. Uh, but the reality is that the majority of people, statistically about 90% of people, will at some point in time uh, be married. And uh, although that is not the ultimate expression of community uh, or the only expression of community, it is certainly an important one. And uh, we believe that uh, a, a way for the church to be strong is for homes to be strong, for marriages to be strong. And so we want to speak to that today. And so uh, if you're not married, uh, we hope that you'll still just stay connected because I believe this speaks to all of us. Really, the same principles apply to all relationships. But I want to read to you out of Ephesians chapter 5. This is Paul speaking to the church in, in Ephesus. And he says this, he opens up and he says, Therefore, be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. And he goes on to say in verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church." For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There we have in Ephesians chapter 5, what we have just read is probably one of the most direct teachings in the whole New Testament to marriage. In fact, the Apostle Paul almost uses the same words verbatim in the book of Colossians. And together, along with the teachings of Jesus, we find uh, really the pattern and the picture of what marriage is supposed to be. 
Now, I, I know even reading that, there is uh, an elephant in the room. And so I'm just going to call out the elephant in the room. And that is that some of us in hearing that uh, will immediately have some objections. Uh, some of us may hear that and, and perhaps the first objection would be uh, that is irrelevant. That teaching is outdated, that is like sexist, it's from a different time, it doesn't apply to today. And uh, so let me just say this in response to that thought. First of all, that uh, that teaching is specific to husbands and wives. It's not pertaining to all men and women. And, and, and it's not saying that, m that women are to be subject to men uh, that they are subservient to men in any way. In fact, the Bible presents a, a, a totally different picture of empowerment for women. But the reality is that the issues between uh, husbands and wives are just as relevant today as they, as they were back then. In spite of all of our progress, in spite of all, all of our cultural developments, the reality is that one of the greatest causes of pain and difficulty in our world is the breakdown of families. And so I would say, uh, in, in response to that, if I could borrow the words from the Apostle Paul, uh, although we have progressed uh, to, to say that we no longer need the teaching of Scripture, I would say in the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? In other words, there's still challenges, and so I believe that we need to look back at what Scripture has to say. Secondly, I know some people would say, well, this teaching has been used as abuse. There's been men that have abused women, if not physically, certainly emotionally, with this teaching. And I would say, yes, that is true. That is a terrible thing. But the reality is that the answer to abuse is not to abdicate or to ignore the truth. You see, whenever there is an abuse, there is, in fact, an intended use. By definition, abuse is an abuse, an abnormal or unintended use. And so we don't want to ignore the truth of God's Word, just like, uh, you know, the fact that people Thousands of people drown every year in water. We don't stop drinking water. We want to uh, enjoy the intended purpose of water. And I believe the same is true when it comes to the teaching of Scripture regarding marriage. But I believe all of this teaching hangs on one phrase that Paul uses that actually helps us to understand God's intention and God's purpose for marriage. And it's the words that he opens up Ephesians 5 with when he says, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God as dear children. In other words, in your marriage, make your number one objective to look like God. You see, oftentimes teaching on marriage starts with our own differences or starts with just the practical application of truth. And sometimes we can go astray if that's where we start because ultimately I believe that every teaching on marriage that doesn't lead us back to the nature of God ultimately falls short of God's purpose. And so Paul, as he opens up this teaching on marriage, he says, first be imitators of God. You see, God is ultimately the greatest model for marriage. You may say, well, how in the world is God the model 
for marriage. God is the model of marriage because marriage reflects the nature of God. One God in three persons. One uh, what in three who. Multiple who's. Plurality in unity. That is the nature of the God that we see in the Bible. I know other religions paint different pictures of God. Uh, Some religions paint a picture of a multitude of gods, a pantheon of gods that are constantly competing for control. Others perhaps paint a picture of a single God, but he's a, a dominating, heavy, controlling, almost vindictive sort of a God. But the picture we see of our God in the Bible is ultimately displayed in the person of Jesus is a picture of beautiful community, three persons in one God. I know there's a lot of uh, theology behind that, really around the doctrine of what we would call the Trinity, but if I could give you a word that I believe carries the, the truth of Scripture to us, it's the word harmony, that God is wanting us to live in harmony, and harmony is uh, really an aspect of, primarily an aspect of music that is multiple melodies working together. In fact, if, if you were to look at the definition of harmony in the dictionary, it would say this. Harmony is agreement or accord. It's a consistent, orderly, or pleasing arrangement of parts, multiple parts. The simultaneous combination of tones, especially when blended into chords, pleasing to the ear. Harmony is that taking of multiple melodies and bringing them together to create something greater together than they are on their own. It's the same uh, character that we see in a beautiful color palette that takes all the uniquenesses of every individual color, but brings them together to create something even more beautiful. And I believe that that's what God is wanting for us, that we would experience harmony in our homes, that our homes would not be filled with clamor and noise and competing agendas, but that our homes would be filled with harmony. And so I want to give you Uh, today, just a few thoughts quickly, and then we're going to hear from some great friends of mine, uh, a few thoughts on how we can have harmony in our home or three aspects of harmony. The first thing I believe that we need to see and value if we're going to have harmony in our homes, the first thing is diversity. It's diversity. Paul in this passage speaks to husbands and wives distinctly in diverse roles. And I know the world that we live in oftentimes would say that there's no distinction between husbands and wives and between even men and women. And of course, there is no difference in terms of value, but God has created husbands and wives distinct from one another. And ultimately, when we ignore the distinction, we ignore the value that each of them play. Just as on a a piano, I think there's 88 keys on a typical piano, and and that's 88 distinct sounds. Now, of course, in marriage, we couldn't handle 88 different uh, expressions in marriage. Two's enough. But a husband and a wife, really created by God, are intended to reflect diversity, differences, 
just as different keys on a piano make different sounds. It's the difference that creates the harmony, that creates the beauty. And the same is true when it comes to a, a marriage or your marriage in particular. The, uh, Jennifer and I are different in many ways. Um, I, I won't list all the ways right now, but we're different. But ultimately, it's those differences that bring the beauty of harmony into our home. And Paul in this passage gives different instruction to husbands and wives. To husbands, he says this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he goes on to say, wives, uh, submit to your husband. See to it that you respect your husband. And first, I want to just focus on that instruction to husbands. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself for her. He initiated. When we were not worth loving, he loved us. He pursued us. He sacrificed for us. Although there is a unique role of what Paul calls headship or leadership, for the husband. That picture of headship is not one of dominance and control, but it's a picture of sacrificial love. As Jesus demonstrated so clearly in the garden when he three times said, not my will, but your will be done. He gives us that picture of sacrifice that we as husbands are called to do. You know, it's, I think it's important to remember that the word husband is actually a verb. It's not just a noun that we are a husband, but we are called to husband in the, in, in, as a verb, to husband our wives. The word husband is an agricultural word. It means to culti cultivate, to create, like a gardener would cultivate the beauty of a garden. Uh, every time I drive to work, I, I pass two different places that really give an illustration of that. One is Lou Gardens. Some of you are familiar with it. It's a beautiful botanical gardens. Uh, the other is a vacant lot that's across the street from my office. It used to be a gas station, but now it's left empty. There's the rubble, the remains of a gas station. Uh, there was, for a period of time, there was some a sign up that said World of Beauty coming soon, but there's there's not been any cultivation. And I think that really gives us the picture of how we can be as a husband. One is that we, uh, one is filled with debris and, and maybe a pollution that we can bring into our, our marriage. The other is a picture of husbanding well that we have cultivated like a gardener cultivates a garden that we would be called to husband our wives well, I believe is what Paul is saying. And then he says to the wives, see to it that you respect your husbands. I, I know sometimes that picture of a wife in submission can seem like a heavy-handed word, but again, it's important to remember that this is really an illustration of Christ's relationship with the church. And, and the relationship that Christ as the head of the church has with the church is not, a is not disempowering, it's actually an empowering. It's actually a releasing relationship. And so Paul is showing us and the scripture is showing to us that as wives live in in, in submission and response and respect to their husband, that there's actually release and freedom that comes into the relationship. And so the first thing I believe that we need to see is, is the diversity, that harmony requires diversity. The second thing that harmony requires is unity, not just diversity, but unity. In other words, our, our differences should not be 
competing or contrasting, but they should become complementary to one another. Even as we think about the word submit, it's important to recognize in verse 21 that Paul says that we are to submit to one another out of fear of Christ. So submission is something that we are all called to do. We are all called to submit to the oneness, come under the oneness of marriage, the one anotherness of marriage. And he says this, that we're to do it out of fear of Christ. Now, that's not a uh, a terror, that's not, we're terrified of Christ, but it's simply recognizing that there is someone greater than us that we are being unified around. And to use the picture of music and harmony in music, uh, a piano requires a piano tuner, uh, a tuner that would bring the piano, the keys, all the different keys and notes of the piano in one accord. And that's the word that the Bible uses, that we should be in one accord, that we should be unified. And ultimately, that's the work of the Holy Spirit that unifies us, not to me uh, as a person. I know my parents said this, that when they got married, they knew that they were called to become one flesh. They just had to figure out which one they were going to be. The reality is that the oneness of marriage is not found in him becoming like her or her just becoming like him. It's in both of us becoming like Christ, being unified in Christ. And as we submit to Christ, as we allow Christ to lead our marriage, Ultimately, we express the beauty of harmony. And that's why I believe it's so important that we are connected to a church family, that we are connected to something greater than ourselves so that we can experience the harmony that God wants to have or wants us to have in unity with his body. The third thing I want you to see, uh, I believe that if we are going to have harmony in our homes, that harmony also requires rhythm. Paul says it this way, that the two shall become one. In other words, it's not enough just to have the diversity, the uniquenesses of a husband and a wife and the unique giftings that we have. And it's not enough just to be unified in Christ, but harmony requires a functional togetherness. It's that rhythm that brings the different sounds together, the notes that would be played together in a harmonious way. That means this, that we've got to be in sync together as a husband and a wife. And, you know, the Bible gives us these principles of diversity and unity, of love and respect. But I believe that it's imperative for every single one of us in the season we're in to figure out what does it look like to be in rhythm or in sync in this season. That may look different in different seasons depending on the requirements of that season. But it's important for us to have moments where we sync up throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout life, that we come away from the busyness of life and we come in sync together, that we reset the rhythms of our marriage. And I want to share with you today a great conversation with some dear friends of ours, Chris and Meryl Dion. And uh, Chris and Meryl are great leaders that uh, lead a great church in Costa Mesa, California, also give leadership to a, really an apostolic movement called Genesis Collective. And uh, they've got 40 years, almost 40 years of marriage and some great, great wisdom. And so I want to encourage you, this interview is about 30 minutes, this conversation that we had, but it is rich with wisdom. So I want to encourage you to stay tuned for this, and then I'm going to come back and pray for you at the end. And so I want to share with you this converse, conversation with Chris and Meryl Dinand. 
great to see you guys. Thank you, and you. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you taking the time to chat today. And um, I know uh, we're in this home life series and we're just talking about all things home and marriage and family and uh, trying to really discover God's plan and the scripture for marriage. And um, I know Jen and I, uh, we've been so blessed to know you guys, although most people in our community uh, don't yet know you. Um, but we connected a couple of years ago and we've had the chance to come out to California a couple of times. Uh, Chris, you stayed, you came and stayed in our home. I did. And, yeah. You know, yeah, next time, Meryl, we're requiring you to come. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but we've been so blessed just by the, the uh, relationship that we have uh, with you guys. And I know you guys wear multiple hats. Um, I'll, I'll try to introduce you for those that don't know you yet. Obviously, you're uh, South African by birth. Well, Meryl was born in Zambia, Central Africa. Zambia. Okay, okay. Um, but the accent is South African. Is that correct? That's really? true, yep. <laughs> and um, you guys have lived in the States now 25 years. Uh, have Close. Yep close to it, planted, uh, been a part of multiple church plants and a catalyst for churches all over the world. Uh, you now lead a great community in Costa Mesa and also give leadership to a, a really a growing movement of churches in Genesis Collective. And um, you have three adult children. Yep, we do. And also, Meryl, I know you're a family therapist and have a practice there. And um, but if there's something probably that that I've seen is a theme that kind of ties all of those things together, it's it's really the theme of family. Is, is that right? Yeah, definitely. And welcome everyone to our home. This is your <laughs> series, and behind us you'll see a range of paintings painted by friends of ours. And uh, they are very dear to us, both the people and their artistry. And I say that because we love home and we do love family, uh, Justin, very much so. In fact, we would probably say that we have a familial hermeneutic, meaning that whenever we are discussing anything, we invariably look at it through the lenses of family. I mean, God as Father introduces us to this great narrative. And uh, whilst it doesn't answer every question, it certainly empowers us for most. So it's an honor and a privilege to be here. It's an honor and privilege to be sharing a little of our story uh, to, with all of you in an area that we are very, very passionate about. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're so honored to, to have you guys. And, and I love the great art, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I know really, of course, all of the things that you do in life and ministry locally and, and around the world um, flow out of the two of you. And um, one thing that I picked up pretty quickly uh, from you guys and just listening to you and others even referring to you is I, I noticed oftentimes people referred to you as a unit, <laughs> not as just Chris and Meryl, but Chris and Meryl. One word. <laughs> Which is beautiful. I think that's a, a good goal for all of us to have in marriage. 
And uh, so I just want to ask you guys, how did, how did that happen? You've not, obviously, you've not always been Chris and Meryl. Um, how did that sense of togetherness grow over the years? Do you want to jump in, Mark? Um, do you want to do that? <laughs> well, you know, it was funny, uh, Justin, because uh, we were helping out with a church in South County, and one of the elders came to us and said, how come we speak of Chris and Merrill? Never Chris, Merrill. It's as if it's one word. And it was the first time we were kind of curious by, wow, that's the way people see us. But it really did start a long time ago. We've been married for almost 40 years. November, it'll be 40. Meryl was 18. She was a freshman. She was finishing up a freshman year at college. And I had just graduated. I was off to the army for two years, as was the case in South Africa. And uh, we decided that we get married. I mean, why the heck not, you know? And we've been together for three years. And so the journey really started out of ignorance. We didn't really have a formula or a format. Uh, our parents have both been married over 60 years, so, wow. so there's great history there. But um, we knew that there was something we wanted to create, a story we wanted to write, an adventure we wanted to experience that was um, unique to us. And when we say it now in retrospect, please don't think we were that clever. We just had this desire, you know what, if we're going to get married, we're going to do this thing, let's do it and let's do it together. And it really started out of Genesis chapter one, when uh, we read that uh, God said to Adam and Eve, I want you to increase, multiply, and fill the earth. Now, Rabbi Soloveitch uh, wrote a beautiful book on Adam one, Adam two, Adam one being Genesis one, Adam two mm -hmm. being Genesis two. Genesis mm -hmm. two, God calls Adam, assigns him, and then Eve joins, but Genesis one, is this remarkable thing where God takes this couple, puts them next to each other and says, now I want the two of you to have an assignment and it'll only be achievable if you do it together, my love. Yeah, mm. I think one of the first times that it actually really um, gelled for me was when we were church planting and I was mm. 21 and Chris was 24. And um, we really felt clearly God called us and so we just said to, to, to one another we want to do this together so Chris was a school teacher he resigned planted the church I was finishing up my um, fourth year credentials after my degree to be a teacher but we decided no I wasn't going to teach we were going to basically join together in the calling we felt God give us to church mm. plant. and so that's when the Chris and Merrill kind of really kind of on the ground happened. And, you know, we both felt Chris has been always so good at making church planning a team thing mm -hmm. and it's our family. It wasn't, you know, Chris and Merrill, it was Chris, Merrill, Nassia, Dana and Tion. Like we mm -hmm. were a team church planting. So I think it's been a family hermeneutic and lens and, yeah, we've loved the journey um, that God has taken us on. Yeah, that's awesome. So really, that togetherness is a byproduct of the mission that God's given to you. Is that, yeah, would just, that be correct to say? I think so. You know, I think God in his sovereignty uh, brings us together. 
and not just for love. And we, we do love each other. I mean, I met Meryl when she was 15 and I was 18. So we've been together a long time and we mm. deeply love each other. I think we're great friends and we have huge differences for sure. But it was that sense of mission and we knew we couldn't achieve it by ourselves. Yeah. Uh, what we didn't want, we didn't want him to do his thing, she does her thing. And then we meet periodically at night for some lovemaking or good food or tea. We thought, no, yeah. no, that's not a compelling story. What would it be like if we said we've got a, sh a shared sense of sovereign assignment and we're going to do it together and we need both of us operating uh, at, at full tilt, galloping with the horses. And so it was that dream, that desire that helped us forge a story. Because to be honest, we didn't see much of it around anywhere. It wasn't like we wanted to imitate them or them or them. It wasn't. In ministry circles, there was a lot of guys do the ministry and women are at home with the kids. Mm. Uh, we're not judging those who do that. It just wasn't a compelling story for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I know at the same time, obviously you guys have unique personalities, unique giftings. You're involved even now in unique areas of responsibility. Meryl, as I mentioned, you're family therapist and you, you do have differences. How have you over the years uh, allowed those differences to be things that are complementary to one another rather than competing uh, with each other? Or conflicting. Or Say that again? Or conflict. You know, it can be complete yeah. or conflict. Yeah, right, and, right. Uh, um, and I think we've done both. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, think, I think we've mismanaged those moments sometimes for mm. sure. And so it really has been a journey of discovery. How do we celebrate each other? And how do we partake together? Uh, the tsunami of togetherness. One will put a thousand to flight. Two will put ten. It's, it's a disproportionate exponential increase. When mm. we find the rhythms of grace and harmony, our impact is way larger than each of us individually doing what we feel we want to or, or should do. Uh, mm. And so we've had to. And, and uh, you know, Justin, marriage really is this collaboration of incompatibility. They're yeah. not compatible. <laughs> we, we are not compatible. I mean, I'm Afrikaans, Meryl's English. I'm extrovert, she's introvert. Mm. Uh, I am do and then think, you know, shoot and then aim. Meryl is think it through, be decisive, be slow and progressive. So at no point outside of Jesus do we really share similarness. But if we see our differences as complementary beauty, our impact can be that much greater. So have we fought? Sadly, yes, too much. Um, have we competed? Not so much, but on occasion, for sure. And it's been a journey of celebration. What do you think, my love? Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Chris and I could not be more different. We, we literally could not be more different. Um, uh, I think we've done this really badly, Justin, to be totally honest, you know, mm -hmm. occasion. on occasion, we had many years of conflict over some of these differences that we didn't mm -hmm. you know, perceive as strengths that maybe were complementing weaknesses and mm -hmm. we did conflict a lot over them. I think 
you know, just to go a layer deeper, I honestly thought Chris had married the wrong woman. Mm. I just did. We went into ministry and we were so opposite that everything he, you know, his big picture vision and I wanted to go small picture detail. Mm. And, you know, we just conflicted so much. And uh, one of our spiritual mentors, a, a father figure, Dudley Daniel, basically said to me one day, just in passing, it was a passing comment. And he said, um, Chris would be half the man that he is today without you. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of those moments, God just stops you in your tracks. He went on and carried on, but I was just stopped in my tracks and I had to look at it. And I realized God was actually speaking to me. And, and basically what unfolded was I recognized that Chris's strengths could really help me and my strengths could really help Chris. So mm-hmm. I, he's very verbal. I'm way more uh, reticent with, you know, my own perspectives and whatever. I want to sit in the back row at church. He wants to true be in the stories. front. Total true <laughs> story. And so he wants to, you know, he's, he's front-footed. I'm not. And he, you know, I look today and I think, I'm so grateful I married this man who forced me. It's, you know, it's a horrible word, but it was initially forced me to verbalize because I come from a, fairly non-verbal family and he would sit with me and say no what do you think and we'd sit with people and he'd say I want your perspective and I'm like you know leave me alone and basically he drew me out into what I know today is part of my call as a herald of truth you know it was Chris who actually pushed me in ways that I think in my own weakness I wouldn't have grown and so I think we've learned you know, I know he is more sensitive, like he's very prophetic and I'm more pastoral. Mm. But he has become way more sensitive to, you know, people and situations and reading where people are at because of me. And so, mm. you know, it's, it's not been easy, but it's it's been a good journey. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I just want to kind of spring yeah. off of something that you just said, Meryl, about you being more pastoral. Um, Chris, I, I know you're, number one, you're a, a man, a leader, extroverted, you're Afrikaans, uh, you spent some time in the military. Those combinations together don't normally strike people as a sensitive, uh, <laughs> um, you know, a, a sensitive combination. How have you, as a, as a leader, uh, not allowed that uh, strength to become um, mismanaged in your relationship with your wife, uh, keeping your strength, but but also not allowing that to become, you know, an aggressive or hard sort of a posture. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question, Justin. I think, you know, I, I'm the son of an alcoholic. And uh, one of the things you realize is that you're broken. Uh, there are distortions in your perception that you've learned to create some survival skills and that you desperately need God and you desperately need God to reinvent you. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, what that did was it created this sense of hunger. I, I want to become more like Jesus. Uh, I didn't always know how because I'd learned survival skills. I didn't even always know what areas I needed change in. 
but I knew I, I wanted, and when, when I saw Merrill as an instrument in his hand for good in my life, it mm. helped change me. When mm. I saw Merrill as an irritant to mm. the great adventure, I'm gonna take this mountain, I'm gonna you know, run at this fortress, then invariably we would compete and conflict because she's more cautious than I am. Mm. But it's that sense, Justin, of there is a better me out there. There is a whole me out there. There is a more complete and sensitive me. I don't lose my mannishness. I don't mm. lose the sense of warrior inside of me or ideator visionary. I don't lose that. I just add tenderness and gentleness mm. and mercy and empathy to it. And God has used Meryl in amazing ways to bring a part of me that I put walls around because I couldn't have been all that in the home of an alcoholic. It would have done mm -hmm. too much damage. But God used Meryl to unravel that one brick at a time and create in me a more sensitive, more understanding, more discerning person that um, I certainly wasn't in my younger years. Yeah, wow. That's, that is so great to hear. And I think um, that's true for a lot of people that the areas that uh, become a, an area of conflict is actually something that uh, God wants to use to bring strength to one another yep. and uh, while not losing their own uh, their own identity uh, you guys now are although you're approaching I think 40 years of marriage is that right November uh, yep. in November I heard Chris mention that the other day and I, I remembered it um, but I know you're, you lead now a, a community, a church uh, in Costa Mesa that is made up of 20-somethings <laughs> in that community. Um, so now, obviously, you're seeing um, relationships develop, grow, marriages uh, beginning. Is there things that you see in your, whether it's just through your perspective of time or whether it's things unique to this season that are, that are challenges you see now to those young couples? Yeah, great question, for sure. You know, every generation views the emerging, the next generation with kind of criticism and suspicion. And I think it's a big mistake. I think the millennials and the Gen Zs are remarkable. Uh, they do lament. They, they do feel like what they were promised hasn't been given to them. Um, they do feel a greater sense of vulnerability about life and maybe are a little more hopeless. Many of them have grown up in broken families or blended families that have been dysfunctional. And uh, Justin, I think the first thing we can give them is the model of a real, honest, beautiful marriage. We are by no stretch of the imagination perfect. And we're honest about that. You know, um, the other Sunday, uh, you know, on the Saturday, Meryl and I had a fight. And um, I, I just shared it on the Sunday. I said, you know, Meryl and I had the disagreement yesterday and we handled it badly. And you can almost see the relief on their faces. You know? <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, they craft this marital image of us that just isn't real and true. Um, I think one of the gifts we can give them is learning how to fight well. Mm -hmm. Every marriage has differences. Every marriage has words. Every marriage has these tensions. And to pretend they're not there is no gift. But mm -hmm. to give them the sense of this is how you fight well 
through respect and love and the power of prayer and forgiveness and communion, you can offer them a redemptive image in all that they've known historically as brokenness. I think the second thing is um, there is a deep desire for meaning in both millennials and Gen Zs. They want authenticity yeah. and we want to give them authenticity. Mm. They want meaning. They want to know that there is more to this life than the drudgery of a repeated every day. Yeah, that's right. When they see us living a life of meaning that in our, I'm 61, Meryl's 57, while she was 42 for a few years. <laughs> what it does is it gives them hope that marriage can actually add meaning to life. It's not to, to divide me, to diminish me, to shrink me, to make less of me. It's to enlarge me and empower me and inspire me then life as marriage can add incredible meaning to them and they deeply long for that. Do you want to jump in there, Mala? Yeah, you know, I think this, this younger generation and maybe every generation, but certainly this younger one, is there's a propensity for individuality, my uniqueness, mm. you know, yeah. my, my, dream. my dream. And, you know, and so marriage can be a challenge in that context. Um, yeah. But... I, I think what, what, what I love is, you know, I think when God speaks about a helper in, you know, in Genesis, that the wife is a helper, it's, it's, it's a strong position. It's somebody yeah. who's going to come and help you be the, the, the better person, the person God intended you to be. You know, mm. he, God's got a mission for you. And as the helper, I've got to align myself with his mission for you to make you all that you were intended to be, you know? And I think when marriage is seen as something powerful and strong and becoming a help mutually to one another, like I said earlier, Chris has helped me become more of who I think God intended me to be. And I needed him in my life. And similarly, he needed me, you know? And I think this young generation, they, they want they want meaning, you know, they do, yeah. they want meaning, but they want to know there's this individual call to it, you know, this mm -hmm. angle of it, it's becoming more who you were meant to be in marriage, not less. Yeah. Yeah. Just, can, can I jump in? Can I, can yeah. I, you know, in Ephesians 5, we, we so often make submit the big angry word, the cobra in the room, you know, mm -hmm. But actually, that's not the primary conversation. The primary conversation is, as Christ loved the church. That's right. That's right. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, replicate that. Let the world see that you love your wife, your bride, mm -hmm. uh, your lover, your friend, in the same way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Mm -hmm. That's the primary conversational idea. And I think... In, in, in a generation that's following, that is so self-preoccupied, Instagram, TikTok, I mean, you name it, it's driving this individualistic culture that is so destructive. What a joy it is to offer a picture of marriage that is the other. It is yeah. just hang down your life. What a yeah. it is for me. I mean, I have two daughters, Justin. I love my girls. I miss my mm -hmm. eldest, her and her husband, have planted a church in Australia. I miss her every day. And um, that is an analogy for me 
of, and I watch, I watch to see how their husbands treat them, you know, mm-hmm. because I want to see that they are so mesmerized by my girls as I am and want to lay their lives down mm-hmm. for my girls. So Meryl went to grad school at 52. 52, having not studied for 30 years when she gave herself to us partnering together, church plant, traveling the world, raising the kids together, 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 together. Yeah. And, um, and so this next generation looked and said, well, why would you want your wife to go to grad school at 52? Why don't you go to grad school? Because I haven't. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's giving people an opportunity to see the power and the wonder of the cross. Mm-hmm. The cross is the greatest image, the greatest gift and metaphor for healthy marriage in the same way as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. When that is our heart posture, do you know how easy it is to talk about submission? Because yeah. submission is now not, he's the boss, I'm the squirmy wormy. The, the conversation is now, we are together on assignment. And as he loves me and lays his life down for me, so the wife wants to partner with That's I mean, right. America with me 25 years ago without a word from God. She said, I know you hear God. I trust your ability to hear God. I'm coming with you. Now, why? I hope it is because I've tried to love her as Christ loves the church. Yeah. That, that is so, so good. And um, I, I love that, Chris, that, that emphasis um, and distinction out of Ephesians 5. And I know all of that follows submitting to one another. And I think, you know, in order for there to be submission, there has to first be a mission. And I think that's where so many people um, are lacking in our world is that they don't have that sense of mission and meaning. And we have a, a, a wonderful opportunity. I mean, that is the gospel, that there is a, a, a meaning, there's a purpose, there's a mission, and marriage becomes a beautiful illustration of that. And um, I, I know. Uh, that's why I want to talk with you guys because uh, you have such a compelling um, example worth following. Um, in closing, uh, let me ask you guys this, if I can, just really practically, uh, now coming up on uh, 40 years of marriage and over 40 years, uh, I'm sure, being together, uh, are there things that you guys do just to kind of keep, keep in sync with each other? Great question. Many years ago, uh, I am, I'm exceptionally verbal, as you can see. I grew up in a very verbal culture for its strengths and weaknesses. And Meryl came from a very quiet family, no conflict, everyone scatters. And um, we discovered, Justin, that probably the single most helpful thing is that we need to go for walks together. Mm-hmm. It's on those long walks where we dialogue together, we clear the air, we dream together, we express concerns together, we talk about each kid. What happens is our life can easily become a tumbleweed. One day just rolls into the next, into the next, without any life-giving source, without any sense of godness that emerges. And it started off in South Africa. We lived in the coastal city. And we would go for a two-hour walk on a Monday morning, which was our day off. 
and uh, we would walk along the coast, beautiful, quiet, hardly anyone's there, and then end up in a kind of a brunchy place. And uh, we realized how vital that was. And then what started off as a weekly happening ended up being a daily happening. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thank you, my love. Not necessarily two hours every day, but the power of walking together, even if it's for 20 minutes, mm. we need to connect soul to soul. We, yeah. we can't just connect functionally. Meryl does her thing, Chris does his thing. It's important for our marriage that we remain soul connected. And I would say that probably is the number one thing, would you agree, my love, that helped us keep in step with each other? Yeah. Well, you know, I think in the walking and talking, because I think what happens for a lot of moms and wives is home is full of uh, to-dos. So it's really hard to just sit down and not think, oh, that, that, that. So going out for me on a walk, kind of, it forced me to put all of that aside and kind of just connect here. So... I think that was super helpful. I think the other thing is something we've done really badly, Justin, but I think we're really working on um, is, you know, when somebody is speaking is for the other person to really take the listener role. Mm. And, you know, I think often when there are things on our hearts or things that are heavy or things we're trying to express or work through, you know, let's just say poorly. I'll start talking and Chris will jump in to try and fix it. Because I'm right. I've got to share righteousness. Righteousness and, and justice. And optimism, with it. And I have to be, I have an obligation to optimism. So I've got to tell them about how good this is actually. And yeah, yeah. What ends up happening is the person who's trying to talk doesn't really feel listened to and they're not seen, their issues are not kind of validated. And so we have done it badly, but it is one thing I think that we are really working on is that when Chris is just, oh, a good example is when Chris talks, often he's thinking with his mouth. Mm -hmm. So I tended to get nervous because he's got this grand idea to go to Any ideas. Whoa, it's too big. And so I would give him all the red lights, you know, and the amber lights. And that would freak him out and frustrate him because he was dreaming. And so I've had to learn, oh, my my word, I've got to give him room to speak, to dream, to, you know, talk. And I need to be in the listener role and, you know, ask questions, sure, but not put the you know, the, the rich, the cautious me into the discussion at that moment. And I think that's really important. And I think that's been, you know, a practical thing that we've worked on. So, yeah. And I think, I know we're wrapping up, Justin, but honestly, the power of communion. Mm -hmm. Taking Uh, communion? Yeah. Yeah. What happens is that unless we got our heart, we build walls around us. A little comment made, a little glance, a little mm. disappointment, a little, a little weakness repeated. And without mm. realizing it, it builds up separation, separateness. And then there may be a big explosion, mm. or we may just get harder and harder and more and more distant. And Jesus in his kindness, in his goodness and in his mercy has given us communion so that our relationship can be current and daily. Yeah. Very humbling. 
mm. to sit down, especially when you have a disagreement publicly. We've tried to repair it publicly. It's no yeah. good. I mean, with the kids. With our children. It's yeah. no good that our kids see us fighting. They don't see us make up. That's right. So what we love doing is, um, you know, kids, look, mom and dad have had this disagreement. You know, you've seen that. And we've patched it up, but we would like to break bread with you. Mm. And uh, from when they were small, we would break bread together as a family. It's so good for them to see dad and mom have a disagreement because they're going to have them. Mm -hmm. See the journey towards reconciliation and the beautiful closure because isn't it amazing? God says he remembers our sin no more and yeah. how badly we apply that in our marriages. But if mm. we take it to the communion table, to the Eucharist, and we break bread together and we say, baby, I forgive you. You forgive me. The beautiful body of our Lord Jesus Christ that, that, that takes my brokenness and heals me in his blood that cleanses me. How can I keep saying you always? Mm -hmm. Actually, before the Lord and the kids, We've saying, said, I, I forgive you. So yeah. I think that has been a beautiful place of reconciliation and letting the gospel work its way out in our marriage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Justin, just on that is um, Chris would ask the girls, you know, do you forgive us? Mm. And years later, our daughters, I asked them, what was one thing that I did well? You know, and five things I did, well, five things I did well, five things I did badly. And the one thing, <laughs> Both of them said independently was, mom, you apologized well. And I said on that, asked the one daughter and she said, you, you and dad <clears throat> always invited us in by saying, do you forgive me? She said, so you gave us this beautiful um, freedom that comes when you forgive. Like you showed mm -hmm. us what it felt like when we could say, yes, I forgive you. So I do think the gospel at work in your marriage is yeah. absolutely critical, um, such an important piece. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I really feel stirred uh, by that. And I know, I, I think that is such a key in, for imparting our faith and love for the Lord into our kids too. Um, that they see that we're applying it to our own lives. They know our shortcomings, um, but when you demonstrate that repentance, that grace, and um, those are such great, even just practical things, taking communion, go for a walk, uh, really good things. Please, Meryl, go ahead. This one, honestly, I learned the hard, long way. So if there's even one marriage in your, in your beautiful church that could help with this. It's uh, say less, pray more. Because mm. early days of our marriage, I honestly thought it was my kind of godly, you know, duty as a wife to change this man. <laughs> and, you know, I could, I wanted everybody to like him, Justin, because he's a wonderful man. And so I would tell him after he spoke or preached, hey, you know, why did you say that? You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and so I would, I, I literally would try and do Jesus's job. And one day, long story, I won't go into, but I literally came to this realization, Meryl, say less and pray more. And I started to pray for him, for God's work, for whatever God was doing. And literally that started an incredibly sort of catalytic change in our marriage. Wow, that is awesome. Well, this is, is so helpful. Thank you for being so open. Uh, the reason we're doing this home 
home life series is because it really came out of a argument that Jen and I had. And I said, if we're having this, I know other people are too. So uh, thank you. Thank you. We're in good company, but we're, uh, we, we value your authenticity and your example. And I know there's so much more that we could talk about. Um, we look forward to having you guys uh, with us again. I think, Chris, we're going to have you in virtually, digitally this summer while we're in this church online season. And uh, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us thank today you, and just appreciate you so much. Love to thank Jane, you. your beautiful family. Yeah, and I love you guys big time. Hopefully we'll thank see you. you. What a great uh, conversation. Thanks so much to Chris and Merrill for uh, sharing that with us. And I know as we wrap up and as we close this service today, uh, I know that sometimes it's so easy to hear something and to just move on without really allowing ourselves to soak in what God is speaking to us. And I know that even as we hear today, as we're listening to that teaching and to that conversation, I know that God is speaking to our hearts. I know in my heart there's some things that God's stirring. And I, I believe in every one of every person who's listening, in your heart, God is wanting to speak to you, whether you're married or not. Really, even if you're not married, the same truth applies to every relationship that God wants us to experience, not just heaven uh, when we die, but He wants us to experience heaven on earth, that He wants us to experience heaven in our homes, harmony in our home. And so as you hear that today, maybe for you in your marriage or relationships, you've allowed the differences that you have to become a difficulty, a, a place of um, competition or a place of conflict rather than recognizing the blessing that that is. Uh, or maybe you have uh, not really submitted your life, your home, your marriage, your family to the Lordship of Christ. Uh, I want to encourage you today just to recognize the Lordship, to recognize the control of Jesus over your life. Or, or maybe for those of you who are married, you have allowed the busyness of life just to rob you of the rhythm of relationship. And you need to, even after this service today, you need to take out your calendar and you need to schedule intentional rhythms to your relationship, moments of connection. But I want to pray, regardless of where you're at today, whatever your next step and your response is, I want to pray for you and for those who are married, perhaps you're watching this with your spouse, I want to encourage you right now just to grab their hand and just to recommit yourself to the oneness that marriage is as it reflects the nature of God. And again, for every one of us, whether we're married or not, that we would live in that place of relationships. So I want to pray with you as we close today. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person that's watching today Lord, every home, every family, God, every single person, every married person, Lord, perhaps those that are dealing with difficulties in their relationship. And Lord, I pray today that your grace would come upon us, Father. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would fill our hearts afresh, God, that there would be a fresh love that would be restored in our homes, restored in our marriages, God. Lord, I pray that as we submit to you, Lord, that we would find the grace to submit to one another. Father, I pray for those that 
perhaps have not yielded to your lordship over their lives. Today, I pray that this would be a moment that they would do that. And God, that you would give us the wisdom, not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of it. God, that we would prioritize the practices. God, that we would schedule the rhythms of relationship. Maybe it's taking a walk. Maybe it's having communion. Maybe it's spending time together in some other way. But Father, we pray that we would experience your life, your presence, your harmony in our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to be sharing that interview again later this week. And I want to encourage you on Wednesday evening, we're going to be streaming that live. Maybe you have a friend or family member that you know would benefit from that. And so I want to encourage you to stay tuned and share that with them. And uh, also remember, we're going to be streaming on our website at ocparkdistrict.com. Join us uh, every Sunday and stay tuned there as we navigate the season ahead. If you're a guest today, we'd love to encourage you to fill out the connection card that's on our website. And we look forward to staying in touch with you. So God bless you all. Have an awesome week. We look forward to talking to you soon.